welcome to the Drunk Dietitians podcast, co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, co-owner of Dietitians of Palm Valley, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. Us dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we're medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join us for our favorite casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Alrighty guys, this episode today is so fun. We had little Liss fitness on and she's one of our favorite fitness professionals and she's so smart. She's oh working God. towards her PhD. Um, so we, and, yes, <laughs> and exercise physiology. So I feel like Jenna, I feel like this is your favorite episode. I just feel like there were so many aha moments for me in here, just in the fitness industry and world that we live in right now, just like dieting and diet culture, you know, people went to school and go to school to study the science of exercise. And then the layman human being goes on Instagram and finds a workout, matches it up with this, all of these things and get frustrated or confused, like the purpose of the fitness and abuse fitness. And oh, I could tell I'm like so jazzed up right now, but she really just broke down the science of exercise for us and how it's supposed to work and what it's also not supposed to be for, which is primarily changing our bodies, which is one of the greatest quotes, Sam, you've ever said in one of these episodes was, you know, talking about the, should I not say it? Should I make, you can say whatever you want. I make them wait for it. But the idea of uncoupling exercise with changing your body and still exercising for enjoyment and for health and for, you know, whatever else you can do it for. And she really gave us so many answers on that. Um, I would say that, you know, she makes exercise realistic, fun, safe, and scientific. And that's a gift. <laughs> like yeah. there's very few people that do that. I feel like after just recording this too, it like, it really makes me excited to like go think about what I want to do with exercise and not a lot of people can get me excited about exercise. (laughs) I have a different passion in life, but I feel like she just, her energy, like you said, science, like everything about her is just so freaking refreshing. Um, so I'm so excited to share this with everyone. And, uh, there's a lot of science in this episode, guys. So like put on your listening ears. You might want to take some notes. There's some mitochondria talk in here, you know, like bringing us back to college. But I mean, it's definitely one that you might want to listen to twice and by no means like trust us when we say this, whatever you're doing right now for fitness or whatever you're not doing right now for fitness, we're not judging you. We want to help you find a plan that's more effective and efficient and safe. And that sustainability word really came up a lot today because at least in my mind, um, because fitness should be sustainable, just like your food, right? You should be able to be exercising in a way that you enjoy forever because there's properties and benefits beyond what your body looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, on just on that note, which is, I think, excited for people to, to get excited about this conversation. And she also talks about how exercise can be harmful mm-hmm. um, because I think a lot of people always think more is better. And so we go into that conversation, which I think is really, really needed in today's day and age um, and just our relationship with exercise. So bring on the best days, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So without further ado, let's Enjoy, everybody jump right in. Alrighty guys, welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. We have an amazing guest with us today. Now, I didn't even ask you how to say your last name before we started. <laughs> I'm going to need your help. I just want to say it right. So it's Alyssa. Olenek. Olenek. Okay. I just want to make sure I didn't butcher that. Alyssa Olenek. Some of you might 
um, recognize her more by her Instagram handle, which is Little List Fitness, which I love. It's so um, good. I know. So her interest in health started at a young age when she was intrigued by the potential of our bodies. Um, Alyssa actually grew up as an athlete miles away from me in Pittsburgh, PA, which we will talk about. We didn't even know that. Um, she wanted to spend other, her life teaching others her methods. She completed her MS, her master's in exercise phys, and is currently pursuing her PhD in exercise physiology at the University of Georgia. So she is extremely busy. Um, she is specifically interested in the research of metabolism and exercise and how the two are integrated and helping us become our healthiest selves. Um, she's just done just about everything in the fitness industry, <laughs> literally weightlifting, obstacle courses, personal trainer, ultra marathons. Um, but one of my personal favorites, like this is outside of her bio now, is just watching you on like on social media when you'll just be running and be like, I love running. And I love <laughs> like, I don't care what others fucking say. And it's great. It's so my run rants are just apparently my thing. I never thought me yelling at my phone while running would be my token to Instagram fame, but it is. And I love it. It, it works. <laughs> it's it. so good. Wait, yeah. what is an ultra marathon? <laughs> that terrifies me. <laughs> so it's scarier than it sounds. It's any... Running, so it's probably sounds scary until you do it. It sounds horrifying. It's horrifying. <laughs> um, so it's any distance past a marathon. So technically, I ran a 27 mile race last year, and that counts as an ultra marathon. But okay. typically, they start at the 50k distance, which is like between 32 to 35 miles. And they have some road ones, but usually it's trail running. So it's not like you're you. It's like a kind of like a giant eating and hiking contest more than like a race. <laughs> if you want to think of it like that, it's like, yeah, can you eat while moving at the same time? You know, I did a half marathon a couple of weeks ago and at like mile 13, when you have like that 10th of a mile left, I was think all I could think to myself in my head was like, I can't believe marathoners fucking do this again. And my friends were like, who have run marathons were like, well, if you ran marathons, like that wouldn't have been your mindset. And I was like, I'm just not built for it. Cause that's yeah. all I could think about. <laughs> it's, it's just different once you do it. And then you realize, I, I can't explain it. It's like this psycho crazy thing that happens when you start doing them. You start thinking of that totally differently. Yeah. And so, but I'm terrified of running like a road marathon. I have like no desire to run 26 miles on concrete at all. Like <laughs> I ran 50 miles on trail, but I would rather drag my body through glass than run 26 on concrete. <laughs> So funny. Different things for different people. That's yeah. fair. That's what makes this world go yes. around. Um, well, in between all of the amazing things Sammy just rattled off that you do, um, you also put out some pretty incredible content. And I definitely want to talk today after we do this rapid fire yeah. about um, the one that you posted today about like working out while sick, because I have a story, a personal story about that <laughs> when I was in my disordered exercise time, but I hear it so much more now. So your content is so relevant and it's so on point. Like you're the fitness version of Sammy basically with your, <laughs> with your posts. It's so great. Um, but I want, we're going to start out with some rapid fire. So yeah, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Just answer what first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. I can talk. So yeah. <laughs> Vodka or tea? Oh. Vodka or tequila? <laughs> no. I was like, well, right now it's tea. A lot of tea. Um, vodka gives me horrid flashbacks to college, but tequila is like the only liquor that I can just tolerate and not die from. <laughs> tequila and beer. That's it. So all day. Tequila. So we do call this drugs antigens for a reason. And I just blurred my first words. So here we go. We go. <laughs> Coffee or tea. <laughs> Oh, oh man. I've been doing more tea now because I've been disintegrating my stomach lining with the amount of coffee I've been drinking <laughs> with studying, but I, coffee is my, my blood type, man. I, 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 <laughs> I think I already know the answer to this one, but wine or beer? Oh, beer. Okay. What is your favorite craft beer? I saw that on your bio. I do love craft beer. And so I really like either sours or stouts, which are the most polar opposite things that you can yeah. have. But like, yeah. like a good fruity sour and like a coffee or chocolatey stout. Like I those are like stout. my favorite. Yeah. I'm a big good. stout girl. Um, okay. Cats or dogs? Oh, dogs. I'm allergic to cats. Okay. Excellent. Ooh. Now this one I feel like is interesting for you since you've been in both worlds, but sand or snow? Oh man. I want to... I grew up in the north and I hate the winter, but I like the mountains. So I'm going to say snow only because I rather play in elevated earth than be on the coast. 
I love that. That's a great answer. Um, (laughs) And then, okay, ready? Crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Oh, smooth. I only never know how corn on that one. I have crunchy peanut butter sitting next to me right now. I always make a snack before we record, and then I'm like, you can't be chewing on here. I know. I have like a bag of pumpkin grapes trying to eat right now. Like, what was I thinking? Um, All right, last one. If you could have one thing in limitless quantities that's not money, what would it be? Oh, time, baby, time. That's an amazing answer. <laughs> no, that was by far the quickest <laughs> answer. I, I had four more hours a day, and <laughs> I'd be scared to see what would happen. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. I love it. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for that. Do you want to kick us off even more and tell us a little bit more about you? Um, really, what brought you into this? um decorated past of fitness and where you are today with your social media yeah so it's i'll try to it's very long-winded but essentially i grew up and i did like dance and gymnastics and cheerleading little things but it never really was like into exercising i just was like i just did those things because that was something to do and then um my eighth grade year i picked up lacrosse which i know sammy said she also played and so that was like the first time in my life like every other girl who was an athlete had been playing soccer her whole life and like had been into it but like no one played lacrosse at butler in high school because it was new yeah, it was growing and, in the northeast at that time so. yeah and it was starting to pick up and it was new and i i started to get into sports a little more and so i was like yes i wanted a sport and i started doing lacrosse and i was and i fell in love i was like frick yes athletics is for me and so I started just running that summer after, because in my mind, when you're 13, 14, you're like, well, if I'm more fit, I can be a better player. Like that's, I just thought I can control that controllable. So I just like started running the Meridian back roads, like by myself. I don't know why my dad, my dad coached my brother's football team. So I would run to his practice and they would drive me home. And I would just like started doing this. And like, I just remember that summer being so impressed with what my body could do like just you're running the back roads and your body's just letting you do this and I was like heck I didn't know really what was going on like physiological adaptations were occurring and I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever and so I remember that moment I wrote about that in my grad school applications because that just set off this spiral the rest of high school and I was really into sports but I loved the training for sports part like I was I would stay after school and lift with the boys in the grungy basement gym and run and like <laughs> all the coaches knew what was like what 15 16 year old girl just like runs for an hour and lifts the boys but like I loved it. And so that cascaded and followed me. And I just always valued fitness as a athletic pursuit, essentially more so than like a lot of girls have a story of changing their bodies in high school where I would just, I want to be faster, more powerful. Like I want to do a pull up, like that kind of stuff. So then I got into college and I was going to school for health science and I played lacrosse my first two years. And I knew that I wanted to be an exercise at this time. I thought I wanted to be like an elite Nike pro trainer. Like that was my career goal. But then I kind of found out accidentally, I really like science. And so I was like, oh shit, this changes my entire life. I don't, <laughs> what do I do with this information? And so I ended up leaving the cross after my sophomore year. Cause I knew I really wanted to focus on school. That was my long-term goal. And at this point I was lost cause I didn't have a sport. I didn't have something to train for. And so I just started to accidentally fall into the world of fitness because I walked into a CrossFit gym for a month and then I would lift in my YMCA with my pit stains and my gray t-shirt and bench with all the boys. (laughs) Like I just didn't give a heck. I just liked to work out and I would run and all this stuff. And then it started to just cascade and I got really into it. So I got into powerlifting and I did a strongman competition and I did some tough mutters and then um, that all cascaded and then I started my master's and that's where I started my Instagram. But Um, from there, I just, I knew I was getting my master's in exercise physiology and I wanted to get my PhD. Like that was the ultimate goal, but I just wanted to train for the sake of it. Cause I loved it. Like it just, that's fueled my academic pursuits. And then my business pursuits is that I'm just unrationally obsessed with how amazing exercise can be as a tool for so many things in our life Mm -hmm. that I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it. And then like share that good word with the world as much as I could. So that all cascaded into what today is littlest fitness slash PhD troll studying for comps, like that hybrid <laughs> of what I am right now. So, so when amazing. is the PhD program over? Like what is, where is the light at the end of your tunnel? <laughs> I have probably about two years left. Okay. So December, 2021 is my anticipated graduation date. Um, as of now, but I started in the middle of the year cause I started my first PhD program and then dropped out and then restarted it. So like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm going to do with my life in that semester. So I might just like hang around cause I don't know what else to do. Um, but 
we'll see. Essentially, two Decembers from now is the light at the end of the tunnel, but I don't like to think about it because there's so much that stands between me and December 2021 that I could cry. <laughs> don't think that way. No. Um, think about like you're running a race, right? Yeah. Like, you're good you know, at this. <laughs> your PhD is one giant ultramarathon. And uh, if I had to compare this to parallel to my 50 miler that I did this fall, I'm in miles um, 30 to 40 right now. Like that, that just miserable. like, that, that was the worst chunk of my race. And that's where I'm at right now. And I'm just like, I'm a little dehydrated, but I'm grinding through like that's where I'm at right now. So I have so many questions, but the first one that I want to know is like, what did you eat during that race? Yeah. <laughs> Snickers, pop tarts. How crazy beans, is that? That's so good. <laughs> like, it's a giant junk food buffet for 50 miles. I'm telling you, because yeah. you, because it's easy to get hyper palatable stuff down, but you're moving slow enough that you can still burn some fat. So like, I mean, you guys like know all this stuff. So like after so many miles, you don't have an appetite for anything and you can only take so many goose. So yeah. I smashed a Snickers at mile 32. I was like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I think the most fascinating thing about what you're saying is like, you know, as we understand right now, like the science of fitness and that there is science when it comes to fitness, just like nutrition, mm -hmm. most people don't understand that. And I think that there's like an epidemic, it sounds like so dramatic, but there's <laughs> like an epidemic right now of like high intensity intervals and like cardio focus is like coming back. Like there's a resurgence of like the cardio fitness world. And I think that most people are promoting things without actually understanding like the science behind like training your heart rate and training your body and like that cardio actually works your heart muscles. Like it's just so fascinating. Like, can you share any insight on like the science of fitness with anyone that's listening right now? Yeah. So <laughs> I could probably sit here all day because this is, that's it's a super broad field, but it's crazy because when I tell people that I'm an exercise physiologist or I'll just tell people I'm an exercise scientist because that's usually a little more like, they, that Digestible. makes more sense. Yeah, no, I'm like a physiologist. People are like, don't talk to me. Like, that's a terrifying <laughs> word. Um, but it's essentially just the study of how the physiological stimulus or stress of exercise impacts our body and our body response. Like, that's the most simple way to put it. So everything we know about human physiology is altered to some degree when you put the stress of exercise into it. So I think a lot of people forget that exercise is a stressor, which can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Just mm. like sometimes having stress can make us work well and like be motivated and productive. And sometimes it can cascade into, you know, negative consequences. So exercise is a physiological stimulus or stressor, which doesn't always mean a bad thing. Um, but there's a lot of things that people want to promote just because they think about how it feels or um, the emotional feel towards the exercise rather than like, what it's actually doing in the body. And so I am the weird hybrid jack of all trades girl who lifts and runs and whatever 75 other activities I do. And I do <laughs> one because I like to move. So I enjoy doing different things. I like challenging my body in different ways. I like trying new things. Um, I like to hobby hop, as I say, but there's benefits to each one of those modalities of training. So there's benefits to low, easy running or cardio, just like there's benefits to high intensity or like higher threshold training, just like there's benefits to resistance training. So there's benefits to all of them. And I think people get really obsessed and narrowed in on like one of them. And um, cardio is coming back. So I find like a lot of the, the prevalence of women who run is way greater than men. And I think a lot of that has to do with one, I have no issue with women running. I think, I mean, I'd be a hypocrite. But they don't know the education of benefits of resistance training. But then they're getting more pull towards, or people in general, towards HIT without actually understanding, one, what HIT actually is. And that, two, you shouldn't be doing HIT an hour long, six days a week. Like, that's not the purpose of it. And that's not how it works. Um, and you don't need that much volume for it. Um, so, yes. So... So even now, like I joined a CrossFit gym after my last race, but I'm not doing wads six days a week. Like that's just, one, I have a stressful job. So like, I can't, I'll die. Like I can't do that. <laughs> I like listen to my body and I do what I can handle. But two, you see on the internet, people, everything's labeled hit. Everything on right. God's green earth is labeled hit. Like you could just be sitting on the couch and be like, hit fat blasting hit workout. And you're like, this doesn't even make any sense. Um, <laughs> but people just think if you slap the, the letter H I I T on something, then like it's magic. And I have a million posts on this. So if anyone's listening to this, like you, I've ranted and raved about what hit actually is for enough that I'd like have quieted down about it. I feel it like we should start calling it shit. <laughs> should we coin yeah, that? There is, there is, tr it is shit. It's shit hit. <laughs> it's what it is. 
because it's not truly hit training. It's just really rapid circuit training, which is fine, but that's not right. the same as um, like true high intensity interval training is usually predominantly very cardiovascular based. So most of the research is done like on a bike or running or rowing or like an R bike, like some sort of ergometry, like that's fancy word for cardio equipment. <laughs> Ergometry, God, I've been reading too many papers. And it's usually like, <laughs> I was like, what's that? Ergometry. I, guys, I'm so sorry. I have been so deep in the trenches. I love this. I read like <laughs> 10 papers this morning. My brain is mush. And so it's usually like anywhere from like 15, 20 seconds all the way to like four minutes of like absolute maximal, like you hate your life intensity. Then it's like, like certain of recovery, usually between like 60 seconds to three minutes, depending on the duration. So that's, there's sprint interval training, hit high intensity interval training. And so those are the more like standardized in our field. And they have a lot of benefits for like improving your mitochondrial um, adaptations and like fuel utilization. So you get better at using fat as fuel during exercise in general and things like that. Um, and better at like nutrient switching. And it has a lot of downstream health benefits because of that stress. So like, like I said, stress is sometimes a good thing. Um, but those are meant to be like acute, short duration, you're only doing like 10 to 20 minutes of total work, not including the rest, like during that period. And you really don't need to be doing that more than like three times a week at most. And so okay. especially when I coach women to do running and races, a lot of them will run like really hard, intense all the time. And I'm like, honestly, 80% of your, your cardiovascular activity should be spent doing like low zone aerobic training. And that's where you get like increased capillaries. So like blood flow, like roadways to your muscles and then you do have benefits for like your mitochondrial muscle metabolism from low zone easy training and then you spend like a tiny little bit of time like one maybe two three tops days a week pushing yourself in that high hard intensity and so what we see though on the internet is this in between where people take random strength training exercises do them really rapidly and then like jump around in circles and call it <laughs> hit so and that's, this is even more confusing. So like a lot of no, like FISCO circuits amazing. are like <laughs> these weird box hop, twist around, jump, toe touch, kick in the air things. And then they call it hit. And I'm like, you're moving rapidly and you're exercising. That's great. That's fine. But that's not going to give you the same benefits. And then for all, some people, hit isn't even an appropriate thing to do right off the bat. It's hard. Like I think something mm -hmm. that gets missed a lot in fitness Instagram that's said over and over and over again in the high intensity interval training literature is that this may not be safe for sedentary populations or certain clinical populations, or like this may be uncomfortable or people may not enjoy this as much. So it's okay. And it's just as comparable to like moderate to high intensity steady state exercise. And so the literature says, Hey, not everyone has to do this. You can still get benefits from other things, but everyone on Instagram is like, if you're not doing three back trucks and a toe touch with a kettlebell <laughs> for every workout, then it's not beneficial. And so there's just that disconnect. And I think people think I get on that. I get that's like the hill that I will die on is that that is not a hit workout. Okay. Um, but it's usually stuff that just isn't necessary to be strung together that gets me then. And that's different from like high intensity functional training is what I'll call it, which is like more CrossFit or like, um, like high intensity training with weights. That's usually more normal patterns, like mm. a hit, push, pull, lift type patterns. Um, there is warrant and benefits to that kind of stuff. And that's usually a little more structured and controlled than some of the stuff you see on Instagram. That's just literally like Fitzbo Felicia doing weird kettlebell overhead backflip twist things and then calling it that. So there's not enough. Um, I know I just tanned it there because there's so many different niches of ways you can train. Um, but I think that like for a long time, people were only sold one mode of training. And now like that changes every season. And right now that's hit circuit training. And mm -hmm. everyone thinks that that's what they need to be doing 20 times a week to have health benefits. And that's not necessarily true. And it can be beneficial if done correctly, but then it can be harmful if done incorrectly and or way more than necessary, which I think a lot of people do. So mm -hmm. I'll stop talking on my tangent now because I just unpacked like 5,000 things. No, it was so good. <laughs> no, I, think, I think that hits a nail on the head. I feel like whether it's hit training is like the metaphorical that's like a fad diet right it's like all the diets out there everyone's talking about and then it's like same thing with training it's like what like hit classes are you doing and it's and you don't have to do that and um it can actually be harmful like you said so i think like the million dollar question that i would assume a lot of our listeners have a similar thought and i'm sure you get this all the time what's the best workout for me 
Like, how do you answer that question? Not for me personally, but I'm saying like when people ask that, what is your, your exercise scientist response to that? So there's two types of responses there with everything in this field for, I'm sure you guys see this too. There's what makes sense based on what you understand about physiology. And then what makes sense based on the fact that humans are complicated and driven by emotions and like a million other factors that are in the daily lives. So like in a lot of what I do, and this is why I like doing what I do on the internet, because so much of what in science is like, well, what makes the most logical sense physiologically? Like what is the perfect answer? But mm -hmm. then when you put that out in the world, that doesn't fit for like 95% of the population, right? So it's great to know those things, mm -hmm. but then people want to know that. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if I give you the perfect workout plan in the world. If that one doesn't work for you, you don't find it adherable, you don't find it enjoyable, then it fails you regardless of how perfect it is. So I think yep. everyone needs to remember that. But I always <laughs> am very adamant that like, while high intensity training isn't necessary, getting your heart rate and doing some sort of high or intensity vigorous exercise, even at least once a week or like twice a week as part of your training is good. There are benefits to that, but it doesn't need to be these 45 minute long um, orange theory classes. Like you don't have to dish out a million dollars to do that. Um, not that I have anything wrong with orange theory, but like people think that that's what you need to do. Um, I'm okay. If people like steady state cardio, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I am so adamant also a hill next to the other hill I will die on is that I would love to see people if they can, if they have access to this, doing some sort of resistance training at least two days a week. That's just based off like the, the minimums from the guidelines, even if it's only one day a week, just there's so many benefits to resistance training that you don't get from aerobic based training that I think a lot of people miss out on if they can do it. And so I always usually say like, if you do whatever you want, but if you can load your tissue at least twice a week, if possible. <laughs> so like, that's usually like my like scientific where I'm like, Hey, this isn't always practical for all, for all people. So move however you can, but if you can do this, probably a good idea like it's probably gonna give you like a lot of bang for your buck that you might and it gives you a lot of things that cardio can't give you and vice versa right like there's things that each one can give you that the other cannot but I think most people tend to have some sort of cardiovascular activity in their day whether it's just walking or jogging or like whatever they do but sometimes they don't engage in any sort of resistance training like at all even to the minimal degree and they're just missing out on a lot of like the bone density benefits and muscular benefits and just general health and structural support that you get across your lifespan. Um, so that's always like my minimum where I'm like, if you can, please. <laughs> you know, I love that you said that. And my, so my mom's a personal trainer and her and I got into this huge conversation actually yesterday about heart rate training mm -hmm. and like the debates around that right now and then strength training and so on and so forth. And I work with a lot of people who, you know, are resistant to strength training because they think it's going to make them bulky, which we know is not true. But the way that she said it the other day was like, you need to think about if you can phrase it for, you know, women that are maybe 40 plus. Like if you're not strength training, you need to really think that when you get older and you fall on the ground, God forbid, but like you might not be able to get back up if you haven't built your muscle throughout your lifespan, right? Like if you're not building that capacity over your life, you know, some people might, can't get up off of a chair. Some can because of maybe their background, maybe not. But she made this comment, like, what if you're babysitting your grandkid and something, God forbid, falls on them? Like, can you lift it up? Do you have the strength? And that was like, wow. Like, I was like, mom, you're so smart. <laughs> that was so and good. it's hard to get people to not think of just the immediate here and now. And I'm okay right. with people wanting to, like, make gains and chase the gains train. Like, whatever. it's fun. It's fun to watch yourself gain muscle and get stronger. Um, but so much of what I care about is, like, long-term downstream. Yeah. And so this past year I lost my grandmother this past fall and it essentially happened really rapidly after she fell and broke her hip. Mm -hmm. And I can remove the logic and emotion. Right. And I knew as soon as she broke her hip, I'm like, I know the outcomes I'm in this field. Like that's you life rapidly deteriorates after that, but she had incredibly frail bones and she just shattered when she fell and she couldn't get up and they had to take her to the hospital and like all these things. And I don't, I love my grandmother dearly. She's not a bad person because she had poor bone density, but I would never want that for anyone, especially right. women who have rapid losses in muscle mass and bone density, like basically starting the third decade of life. So like I'm creeping up on 30, right? And so Hi. some of us are already like, there. Okay. Yeah. So like more and more I realize like, oh, I'm not just gonna be a teenager in my place forever. The more I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I started doing this when I was 16. And so like I have accessibility to DEXA scans and stuff and I give women DEXA scans and I see their bone density. And I see a lot of girls in their early 20s who don't have great 
bone density and I want to be like, oh honey, please like let me let me show you a barbell because I want I want you to be strong and thriving across your entire life because I don't I don't really care about so many of the the here and now things as much as I do is like when you're a grandma, can you like still be mobile to chase your grandchildren and like if you fall, like not have to, you know, everyone makes fun of those commercials that like help me help a fallen and I can't get up, but that's a real serious problem yeah. in our country. And yeah. so many people, I mean, men and women that are old have such poor, like muscle strength and they can't, that loses like functionality and then quality of life. And so it's hard to get people to think about themselves like next week, let alone 50 years from now. But it's so true. And especially, I think there's a big generational disconnect where like women now that are younger, they're all woke in the strength training sphere. You know what I mean? They're like, watch me now. Like, it's so crazy that those things can exist. But like, you get women that are like that threshold of 40 and up, like my mom and like her generation in the 50s, 60s were like, their whole life, they were, they were never, they were told, don't mm-hmm. resist training. You get bulky. It is bad. And then they have- Aerobics. Yeah, it's only aerobics, but then they have no basic strength. And you, the, the good news is, regardless of your age, if you're listening to this, you can still gain muscle and like become more resilient, as I like to say it, no matter what age you are in life. Like I, in my master's, there was an entire um, lab that did this thing called bingo size, where they would be like bring like, resistance bands and do like chair squats and stuff for old people. And they, they improved, like they got stronger. And so you can be 20 or you can be 80 and you can still get stronger, which is Good news for everyone listening to this. That's the tipsy. Yes. <laughs> I love that. One thing that I'm thinking in my head, and I, I know Jenna and I both do a lot of like behavior change type therapy with our clients. And, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of parallels with like dieting and fitness and people's like relationship to fitness. And something mm-hmm. I think is so prevalent with your story is fitness was always fun. It was something you always enjoyed. Um, you were always coming back for more. So for those who struggle, um, and I know this might not be like your specialty and what you specifically yeah. do because you're more of the science-based side, but for those who are struggling like with their relationship with fitness, like what are tips that you have or what do you think made you so successful with always keeping fitness so fun um, and such a priority for you? So I think the biggest thing is that this is so hard for women. I try so hard to do this with my clients is you stop making it about your body at all. Remove fitness from how it affects your body. So like I've shared before how much my body <laughs> has changed and shifted like a million times over, but I don't, I don't care that I develop cellulite training for my 50 miler. And I share that on my page because I ran 50 miles. Like I don't, I don't give a heck. Like it does not matter that like I, my body ran 50 miles. Like that's incredible. And you don't have to run 50 miles to have that feeling. Like you can run a half a mile and have that feeling. Um, but then I gain more muscle when I started CrossFit again. And then when I train for an ultra, my body will shift. And if I had an emotional reaction every time my body went in an opposite direction, I would never chase these goals that have given me so much fulfillment and awesomeness. Mm, and like, I'm a bit chills. <laughs> I add value to my life and show me that like I can do big, scary things. Like I always tell my audience, my clients and these things like so much of fitness for me. And I, I got really lucky. I went through some like weird, like poor nutrition habits in related to athleticism, like stupid stuff like that. But at a young age, fitness, like, and I think it probably saved me from a lot of that relationship that girls had early on in like your teenage years. Cause I even felt that way as when I was in high school, um, and in college, cause people start, cause you know, so people start asking for fitness advice if you're fit and things like that. And I, it just always made sense to me. I'm like, Oh, like my run rants, right. I'm like, my body can do this. This is amazing. Like how cool is it that I have the gift, the ability, like my lungs can pump oxygen to my muscles and they can create energy to propel me forward. Like that's freaking awesome. And of course I care about physiology more than like the common person, but I think that's the underlying theme across my whole life is that I was like blinders up to the whole body changes of fitness for so long that when I came out into the fitness industry after years of athletics, um, I was like, shocked to see how much like it's not that I was ignorant to it but I was luckily enough that I was with girls who like they smashed food you know what I mean and they like weren't worried about like what they ate and they trained hard so I was just like in that bubble which is crazy because that doesn't usually exist in athletics I must have been in some yeah. alternate universe you know what I mean I like, that, say, doesn't, that's that not doesn't normally anymore. that doesn't exist like yeah but I just was in this bubble and I knew that was a thing but I didn't realize until like I fully was emerged in it how much people only attribute exercise to how it can change their body. And by doing that, you're just robbing yourself of everything good. So your body may and very well likely will change. Like if you start resistance training, you're going to gain muscle. You know what I mean? Like assuming you do things correctly, like 
things change in your body, but it's never been about that. And if you can remove that, you're going to, to let yourself, give yourself permission to celebrate the million and one other amazing things that fitness can give you into your life that aren't that. Like that's just one small thing that happens when you work out. But like I could sit here all day and list like 7 billion other awesome things that have been added to my life. So people are like, why do you do these big crazy fitness goals and things like that? I'm like, cause it's, it's fun. Like, cause I can, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I could just, I can, like, I'm going to go run the Grand Canyon on my spring break because I can like, then that's, that's so awesome. cool. I can just, like, <laughs> be so like, cool. like, oh, I can go do this. And so like, obviously like not everyone can just pick up and run the Grand Canyon and that's fine. But like, for me, it's always been like, oh, I'm going to join a CrossFit gym because why not? Or I'm going to run a trail race because why not? Because wh- I have what? If I'm lucky 90 years here on earth and like whatever, I'm going to die. So I might as well just move my body in all the ways that are super cool and fun and experience life through different things. And so um, that is like the biggest thing is like, even to this day, bodies change across your lifespan, but fitness can stay consistent and give you value regardless of that. So yeah. you can hear how much you love it and like the passion and how fun it is for you. And like, I feel the same way. I mean, I lost myself in fitness for like a blip of my life, but like I played sports since I was like four, like that's just always been my life. And I get that same like desire and like high from that. I still relate to you, but there was that blip in my life where I feel like you know, I abused fitness a lot and I got lost in it and it became an obsession instead of, it was only focused on changing my body. It wasn't focused on health and it wasn't focused on, you know, doing this in a healthy way. And I see a lot, especially with this insurgence of, um, you know, the gyms that are communities, which is an amazing thing. And I think Sam, to answer your question, I think part of what people search for to make fitness more enjoyable is the community. But I think that there is a threshold or a line that can be crossed that I'm seeing a lot more now of like that abuse. And when you get lost in that fitness becomes this like tool of escape. But I see a lot of people doing double workouts, seven days a week, no days off, never miss a Monday, all of these things, which are like, can be really detrimental because of the stressors that you're talking about. Can you speak to that in like your world at all? Yeah. So like I said, I do. So when I talk about my fitness, I always say the caveat, like I'm the extreme of the extreme, but like, that's why I'm here talking about this today, right? Like no one needs to do what I do. I don't necessarily recommend people do what I do. It's just cause I like it. And so I did ultra running and then I do CrossFit and I did powerlifting and I've been on these extreme tiers of all these things and all of them get bad rap. So if you're in one niche of fitness versus the other, there's always people who talk about, about like CrossFit's horrible for you, ultra running's horrible for you, this and that. And so everything can be bad if abused right? Mm. Like every single mode of fitness can be bad if abused. And I actually have a post drafted on this. Yay. Like like, really high intense training is only as detrimental as you, like if, if you're not eating and sleeping and recovering enough from that. And so a lot of people will work out. I mean, you, you need to rest. Like you, like so many people are like convinced that they take a rest day, everything's going to fall apart. But like, that's where all the magic happens when you rest. You have to have the gym. You have to have that stimulus. You need to tell your body, hey, like, this is what I'm trying to get better at. But it's the sleep and the eating and the, and the not doing anything. I mean, like, you can walk. <laughs> like, <laughs> not working out where all the recovery happens and protein synthesis and, like, mitochondrial expansion and all these great, amazing things that no one really cares about but me happen. I know. <laughs> rest, right? They happen when you rest and you give your body that decrease in that stress to, to, to adapt from that. So, um, now I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> so like I'm doing CrossFit right now and I am, I'm a kind of a control freak, but with my life, but I'm very protective of myself with so much stress going on at school. And so sometimes I'll do the work. If I have a day where I slept awesome and I'm eating a ton and I can handle doing the an hour and a half, two hour long workout and it fits into my schedule, I'll do it. And then some days I go on and I'm like, guys, I can't, I can't do something high intensity. I have too much stress right now. Like I, it's not healthy for me to do a high intensity workout this week or today. Or if I like just feel like trash, I just will skip the wad. Cause I'm like, that's just too much stress on my body. And I think some people don't give themselves the ability to be like, Hey, my body's like pretty beat up. Like I should maybe drop the volume, drop the intensity, take a deload. People don't even know what deload weeks are until like, especially my clients, they have no idea that like every so many weeks you should take a low week in training. Like it flabbergasts them. Um, but it is a stressor to your body, but you need to give yourself the ability to recover in between those stressors. So you can train high volume. You can train high stress. You can do those things, 
But there's a trade-off if you start digging into the bank of sleep and recovery and eating not enough and like not letting your body actually make those adaptations. And then you just end up making it worse for yourself in the long run. So, and bringing back to the community thing, it's great. So like even CrossFit, it's nice. This is the first time I've had a community and something in fitness in my entire life since sports. And it's nice, but I'm not just going to go to the gym, just go to the gym and work out when I feel like crap. Like I'm going to say, hey, like I, if people are into fitness, they're going to understand that, right? Like they should be able to be like, oh, okay, like you could get coffee or you can get a beer or you can do something else with your friends that you make. Like you, this is crazy to think because even I should say this to myself, but you could hang out with people from your gym outside of the gym, right? <laughs> Just like in, in school, like with grad students and stuff. Sometimes we're like, we should go out and not talk about school. Like it's healthy to like, you can do other things with other people for social support that pushing your, your, your stress levels even higher than they already probably are from your daily life. So yeah. Okay. Hand it over. <laughs> it's crazy. Cause I hear you loud and clear. And I was hoping you were going to, I was actually really hoping you were going to say like one of the reasons that you love fitness so much is because you've, I always, the way I pronounce it is uncoupling fitness from changing your body. Yes. And that what's I think really hard for people is kind I guess this is where like diet culture enters is if you think about most gyms like what do they promote mm -hmm. <laughs> changing your body and that's where I think it's really rapidly difficult. rapidly weight loss challenges um you know whatever that like you know these double zero double d tits and like eight <laughs> and saying like join this gym and not, I'm not saying every gym does this by any no. But everything with commercial fitness, and I guess that's the part where I forgot to wrap my tangent back to, is that it's it's hard to be in the fitness industry and not cash in on those things that get yeah. you money. And Absolutely. so you have to get, and it's it's hard to be, and you're talking to someone who like quadrupled their Instagram following in a year after like two years of trying everything, is you have to get really creative to make non-flashy, sexy, extreme fitness like attractive to people like you really have to get creative to get people to listen to you if you're not saying hey if you do exactly what i'm telling you you will be a size zero with double d's and an eight pack and then suddenly have a million dollars in your bank account in ferrari like they yeah. sell so i think my one of my biggest issues i had I've, I've not really engaged with a whole lot of this side of instagram in a while is that they sell like an ideal to people if that makes sense a mm -hmm. lot of fitness especially online and in gyms is like Cause it's usually, it's like, we know it's usually not about the weight. It's usually about something people think is going to happen when they reach some sort of like, once you look like the ripped dude in the photo, your life's going to be perfect. And you're going to have an amazing girlfriend and job and be fulfilled. Right. <laughs> and I, I think so much of it is selling this ideal, but people are attracted to it and it's flashy and they want to do it. And they're not really worried about as much like consistent customers. They just need the one and done. And it's yeah. easy to do that with flashy, quick fixes. You don't need customer attention. You don't have to have a proven method. You don't have to add value to people's lives. You just need to trick them long enough that they'll give you a hundred bucks. And then eight weeks later, you don't care that they rebounded from whatever you gave them to. Like you, they, you know what I mean? Like they were there or they come back again next year and give you a hundred dollars again. So it's yeah. this whole horrific system that's built on that. But I think the hardest thing is that one coaches or trainers aren't educated enough in a way to know better and some of them actually believe that stuff which is yeah. something that I try to fight against but two is that it's harder to be honest and it's harder to not be like to not play into that it's it's way harder it yeah. takes twice as much effort for half as much like traction yeah. yeah but I think a big part of why your Instagram has blown up and I think like people hear like what we're saying right here that you have permission to enjoy fitness and uncouple it from changing your body. Like people don't hear that and they need to hear that. And, and so right. it's refreshing and it's not only is it refreshing, it's like science-based too, that people are going to be more sustainable with these behaviors. And so I just want to commend you because, you know, we've had a few other fitness professionals on, on our podcast, but you were one of the first when we started thinking of fitness professionals, like not only from the science space, but just your view on it is so refreshing. And we need, we need more Alyssa's in the world. For I think her. that I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I've 
And it's crazy because it's all kind of playing out. But like when I was 13 running for the first time, like if you asked me what I wanted to do, it's like I wanted people to have that message. I like wanted yeah. to shake people by their face and be like, you deserve so much more. Like you just, your, your body is worth so much more than like what you think it is. And I always tell women like, like my clients, I'm like, you've been sold one thing, but you deserve, like I say, demand better is like my slogan and my thing. And I'm like, you just, you deserve better than that. And so I think the most rewarding thing is watching people. It takes a lot of resistance at first to get through to people, but once they step no in. No pun that, intended. Yeah, like, yeah, no pun intended. But watching, and especially, I mean, I think we all mostly work with women, but th- some men too, but seeing that breakthrough is the best, that is the best thing. Yep. The, the, the DMs or the messages or like that thing, and you finally watch it click. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my clients are like women or just strangers on the internet who follow me and send me a message. You don't have to pay me money for me to care about you having that click. Like it's, <laughs> it's the best thing ever. Like that's all I want. Like I just want to shake the world. I want to be like Oprah and be like, you get exercise freedom and you get exercise freedom. You get exercise freedom. <laughs> like it just, I love it. I don't know. I just, there's obviously all these other benefits from it, but I think that if you can find fun in fitness, it just adds value to your life. And love. then all that other stuff happens without you thinking about it. Yeah. So good. And just really quick before we get to like the ending here, you know, I think to think about like from the other perspective, and I read an article, not a study on this once about like, say somebody who is sedentary, right? Wants to exercise and they have the drive for the right reasons. And I read this article about how like they follow this person that like went into a high intensity space, right? A gym for the first time. And they got themselves really excited. They were ready for the workout. in there and then they had this like central nervous system anxiety reaction that like their brain like was on overload and like they had this what was I don't remember how they worded it in this article but basically they were overwhelmed by the loud music and the coaches screaming and like going faster or whatever it was lifting heavier and then they never went back because they had this like PTSD trauma of like oh my god it's too much for me I can't handle it and then whatever the study was saying was that or the article said was that most of those people that have one bad reaction don't go back to the gym because they now correlate it to I can't do this Mm -hmm. so for the person that's like I want to do this I'm ready I want you know, the fitness freedom, like what do you recommend as their starting point? Like where should they go? I usually tell people just start with, just start one showing up. Even if you walk to the gym and you go for five minutes and walk on the treadmill, just to develop the habit of showing Mm -hmm. up and being in the gym and feeling comfortable. Cause I know for a lot, like not everyone walks around with a personality that just is middle fingers up all the time. Like I don't understand what that feels like. Cause I don't care about anything ever. <laughs> and it's my only superpower, but like, I get why, like my, my boyfriend's getting his PhD with me and he was doing, he like runs ultra marathons and his weight training for years. And he was doing like sit-ups in the gym and he wasn't, or some sort of core exercise. And he wasn't doing it for abs. He was doing it for core and some bro, um, like Jim bro from the college goes, you know, that will get you abs. And he was like, I don't care, but imagine if someone said that to me and I like actually cared and that offended me and hurt me. You know what I mean? And so I understand why people are scared to be in gyms because people are jerks. Like, let's be straight up. But like, go do what feels the least intimidating to you right now and develop that just exposure and comfort to that environment. And even if you don't have much, I usually tell people like getting a structured plan is really nice because like it just, you, it removes all that stress of thinking of what to do. And mm-hmm. so- I like sell a beginner plan to people and I get so many people who message me like, this should be harder or why is it so easier? This is like crazy. And I'm like, no, like I designed it in a way. So it's like less intimidating when you go to the gym, but also you don't need to kill yourself the first few weeks to go to the gym. That's not, that's not where beginners should even start. And so just expose yourself, like go around and get used to what different machines do or like try different movements and just everything's a stimulus at that point. So you can't do anything wrong. Everything's going to be positive for you and get comfortable by the weights, get comfortable doing bicep curls, just like ease yourself in. So go toes, foot, ankle into the pool. Don't just dive into the first hit class you see. Some people that works for, but even in like, you know, really well run gyms, like I'll use CrossFit for example, they'll give you an intro beginner class for like a month before you even go to the real classes where they teach you fundamentals and basics and like show you how to move and meet you where you're at. And so if you're not working with a coach, meet yourself where you're at, I guess is the best advice I can give and do what feels the least resistance to you in this moment and is the most comfortable. And if it takes you six months to get comfortable with moving up to the barbell, that's okay because that's six months from there. 
you're going to have benefit versus if you spend your whole life just afraid to even walk in the door. So it's okay to go slow. It's okay to not go intense right off the bat. If anything, it's probably better to go slower and less intense off the bat. So meet yourself where you're at and don't compare yourself to anyone else out there doing what they're doing because a lot of people will take people that are sedentary and throw them into the trenches. And that is like 101% not what you should do. <laughs> like that is actually like the worst thing that you can do, but people do it every day. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like that was our nutrition tipsy. We always yes. have like, <laughs> like it would be fitness tipsy, but that, Today. I think that's a great one to like kind of end on because I feel like so many people relate to that. And I know mm -hmm. at least for Jenna and I's clients, like I think that's a scenario I hear all the time. And I think it's also people just getting caught in, like you were saying, Jenna, a central nervous system reaction, or even just like a thought a fear that they're repeating over, over and over and can't get that out. And that's, I've used that example before, Alyssa, I love that of like, just go to the gym, literally walk in, start the treadmill for five minutes, walk and leave and notice that nothing, nothing happens, right? Like we're in yeah. that environment. And so just getting comfortable breathing and meeting yourself where you need to be, I think is so important. So good. Awesome. So I guess, I mean, this, I really want, I knew Jenna would love this. I'm like, <laughs> like obsessed with like fitness and like loving making fitness funds. I knew this was going to be like her favorite episode. So ever. good. <laughs> um, but so for, for our listeners, mm -hmm. where can they find you? Um, and where can they get more information? So I'm most, I usually joke, I'm the loudest on Instagram. <laughs> um, I have a very loud presence in my entire life, but Instagram is where I decide to show up the most. And I cross share to Facebook and everything, but um, Little List Fitness on Instagram is where I'm most available. And then like my website, littlestfitness.com. My email is littlestfitness at gmail.com. So everything's just like Littlest Fitness across the board, really easy to find me. Um, but Little List Fitness on Instagram is where I'm most active and you'll find me and all my sassy rants and screaming out my phone That's in so public <laughs> the most. Um, and then I'm about to relaunch my website. So if you go and stalk me, if it's not up before this thing is up and a better one is coming. So I'm sorry for any glitches it gives you. So That's awesome. Well, I think Instagram, like you said, you have it all there. So I feel like everyone will be able to find yes. you. That's the best place. Yes. And so much goodness on there. Yes. And thank you so, so much for being on here today. And thank I feel you for like sharing we... your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked yeah. it's functioning at this capacity. I've been drawing out pathways like all day. So I'm happy to talk about something a little less molecular. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you guys. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.